welcome to the Anvil podcast from Church's Bookshop. That's Georgia. That's Andrew. And that's Linda. And we're here to talk about faith things that affect us today, and in the hope that um, as we have these conversations, we can sharpen and challenge each other's minds and faith. And the bookshop is an ecumenical organisation, and the three of us come from quite a range of different backgrounds. So everything we say today is just our opinion, we're not representing anyone else. We're just, we really are just three friends having a chat. None of us are theologians. We're just ordinary Christians who are trying to trying to figure things out. And today uh, we're going to be talking about the topic of mental health. Right. So <laughs> that's an easy one. Isn't yeah. It? So mental health. Yeah. I guess the first thing to start is to talk about where we're coming from. Um. So, um, I don't have a huge amount of personal experience with mental health issues. I had one very bad bout of depression as a teenager that was very situational. So. I still get sort of residual symptoms from that, and it definitely has affected me, but I'm not, it's not something I'm very afraid of coming back, but I do have that experience, and therefore I can understand, I think, where other people are coming from, and while it lasted, it was very, very bad and very difficult. Um, the rest of my experience, though, more recently, has been more in supporting other people who are struggling with mental health issues, rather than having sort of personal problems with it myself. Mm-hmm. So for me, I grew up probably with what would now be labelled as depression most of my life, but I didn't call it as such and a few years ago now um, I was diagnosed with having um, depression and anxiety which made a lot of sense since then I've been going through different treatments and my, my symptoms range from quite severe to sort of mild every day but it's a fairly um, kind of the opposite order it's a more of a chronic condition something I've just kind of lived with most of my life and just trying to deal with the, the crises and try and make it better one day at a time mm-hmm. and I guess for me I, I think I would say that I've always had a personality that is quite vulnerable to mental health issues, particularly anxiety, um, with a little bit of depression in there as well. But um, it really became a problem for me. Um, a couple of years back, I had what I guess would have been called in the past something like a mental breakdown, just where things got too much and I stopped being able to really function and was signed off work for a while with that. Um, but have kind of got myself into a much better place now definitely I would say in recovery and I think there's going to be things from that that will always come back to affect me but I'm definitely doing a lot better yeah, it's sort of almost just by asking the three of us who decided to put this together mm. we all have experience of mental health issues I guess maybe that's not surprising it's quite a common mm. a common thread and uh, becoming more so now yeah absolutely definitely. you hear in the news about the use of antidepressants and yeah. I think we're going to touch a bit on that a bit later as a first point, though, Georgia, you're the one of us who's sort of got experience supporting other people through mental health issues, which I, I can't say I've had. I haven't really been in a, in a position uh, where I've been stable enough to do so. But what's that like as a Christian, as a faith? What, yeah, what's it like? Um, I mean, that's a really broad question, but I think it is very difficult. And I think it's actually difficult for you, but all the focus needs to be on the other person because it's their problem, if that makes sense. So you need to... It would be quite selfish to be like, I need support because I'm supporting someone, or it would feel quite selfish, but actually it is a lot to take on yourself, and it's a very difficult issue, and trying to support someone through it is very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. I think from a faith perspective, I actually think in a way I've, I've learned a lot from it, but I think particularly early on, it was very much, you know, why isn't God fixing this? Mm-hmm. Um, then it was kind of, well, I guess he'll fix it eventually, and then the more time that passes, the more you go, well, why haven't he fixed it yet? Why haven't he fixed it yet? And I think, I mean, we often do that with any kind of pain or suffering we're going through. We kind of want to know why God hasn't waved a magic wand and made it go away. And I think, for me, it's been 
it's been a learning curve to learn that God, he he supports us through things in ways we're not necessarily noticing, and he's there even when we don't necessarily see his presence in a situation. Mm. And he, whether or not he heals, when he heals, it's totally up to him, but you've got to trust that he has the plan, and that whatever he's doing, he's doing it for our, for our good and for our best. So George, obviously you've experienced that as a third party, and I know from my personal experience going through it, that, that difficulty of is God going to heal me? Will he heal me? Why isn't he healing me? Is is really difficult. I guess as a third party, what's it like when, I guess, you don't necessarily feel that, but you want, presumably, to convey that to the person, that hope to the person who you're supporting? Yeah, I mean, I think that can be very difficult, because obviously you don't want to turn to the person who's suffering and be like, I feel like this is never going to end and you're never going to get better. That's just not a helpful response. You, you want to keep a very optimistic, cheerful front, and that's not always very honest. And particularly when it's a marriage, the marriage is two-way, so it's not all about me supporting Andrew. It's got to be, even though he's the one with the depression, we've got to be working together and supporting each other. So when I'm struggling with something, I need to be able to share that. And I think often it can be difficult knowing how much to share when it's specifically related to depression and how much I need to find someone else to talk to about it. Actually, it's quite interesting that you said that about it being a two-way thing. And I think that even from as, as a sufferer, it's actually really beneficial for your own mental health to be able to feel like you are helping somebody else yeah. and that's why I think things like support groups are a really really good thing because it gives everybody the chance to be a supportive listening ear as well as being able yeah. to share their experience with others who identify as well yeah yeah and, and avoid the creation of a dependency yeah um I have yeah. to say though hats off to the people who are being yes. the supporters like absolutely it's, it's um yeah. Yeah, I know speaking as someone who's gone through it. Yeah, the people who sort of they they are God's love to mm. you when you're in it. Mm. There, because often you can't feel God's presence. You don't feel loved by God. So mm. someone else loving you actually is the next best thing. And we know we can't always be easy. Yeah, and I think but also we're not going <laughs> to apologise for that. No, absolutely not. Mm. And I mean, I think the other thing is I have in in some ways the fact that I have been there in the past has been very helpful and almost, I suppose, in a sense, kind of a blessing, because I think when you're looking in from the outside, it can seem like the answers are so simple, and mm. it's like, how can you not just fix mm. this? And I think having that understanding of I know what it's like to absolutely be in the middle of it, and it's not as simple as it looks when you're just looking on and you're not actually in it, has mm. been helpful. And I mean, sometimes I do still slip into that sort of overly simplistic solutions, but it's made it a bit easier to keep in mind that that what I'm seeing and what the reality is aren't necessarily the same thing. So you talked in there a bit about how... Yeah, a sense of um, waiting for God to heal. But obviously, speaking, switching your role back to <laughs> as someone who's experienced mental health issues, how how does it affect your faith? I think for me, when it was happening, I just... I mean, the best way I can describe it is I felt like I'd fallen into a black hole or something. Everything felt dark and endless. Um, it didn't feel like it was ever going to end. God felt very, very far away. And I think I'd been someone who was very lucky to grow up with a very strong faith. And it was really the first time in my life I, I experienced that feeling of God not being close to me. Mm. And I didn't really doubt that he existed, but I doubted that he loved me or cared about me or that I kind of felt abandoned by God, I suppose. But I think equally, ultimately, my faith was a very big step in my coming back out the other side of that. Mm. And a real sort of turning point for me was I was, taking a walk and I saw this sign a church had up that said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever and I mean I knew that verse and I'd heard that verse a thousand times before but for mm. some reason it suddenly hit me that it almost doesn't matter if I'm going to get through this or if I'm going to get better because 
right now just feels awful and I feel like it's never going to end and I don't know where it came from but God is the same as he was before this happened mm. and whether this continues forever or whether it ends tomorrow he'll always be the same and that's, that's kind of a constant and I needed a constant mm. yeah it's so interesting actually when you said about feeling far from God for the first time mm. I can I can totally relate to that from my experience as somebody who my faith has always been this this really intimate relationship yeah. with God and he's always there and I always have that at least but I think that you know that can be a point where a lot of people might have a crisis of faith because it's like I've had this relationship with God and now where is he but I think actually also just taking stock and putting that in perspective when you're in that place with your mental health all of your relationships can feel yeah. like that I know that at the same time where I was going where's God I was also going where are all my friends and even though they were there for me I, I just didn't feel that same connection to, yeah. to anything. And I think to put too much stock in the fact that I feel really distant or I feel like God's not there is uh, giving um, the illness a certain amount of credit over over what you kind of know is, is true. Yeah. Um, definitely. I think that's why that verse was so important to me because it sort of took me out of my feelings and made me go, however I might be feeling about God, yeah. hasn't changed and he isn't going to change yeah. and it's my sort of perception has changed not God himself and that was actually I think a real turning point for me and beginning to be able to climb back out of that hole I was in really. Mm. I think I had quite a different experience I think I, the feeling of being far from God absolutely mm. but the one emotion I remember most is anger mm. if I'm if I'm honest for me is that I was angry at God yeah. because you know I, you know, I don't I've sinned as everyone has, but I didn't feel like I had anything to deserve this. Mm. Of course, the answer is I haven't any more than someone deserves cancer or any other illness. Mm. But for me, it was the fact that the response of the Christians in my life, at least a good proportion of them, was just wholly unchristlike. Mm. For me, the fact was that when I was most in need, the people who hurt me rather than helping me were Christians. Yeah. And it's very easy to get God and the church mixed up. Yeah. And the church is meant to be God on earth. You know, it's God's hands and feet, but I mean, how often is it not? And so, yeah. when a Christian is deciding that I just need to have a little more faith and pray a little more, mm-hmm. or just not taking it seriously, or just assuming, well, you must be sinning. Mm. You know, clearly you're sinning if you're if you're having to have depression, or that it's not real, or that I shouldn't treat, seek any treatment other than God. All these things sort of add up, and actually, it ends up feeling quite not only abandoned by God, but kicked yeah. and obviously I, I look back now and I say yeah okay that isn't what happened you know and I've made my peace with that and I've yeah. worked through it and it's been a long journey but that was the sort of first emotion I can think of yeah. is a real anger and I believe God was there because I believe God was the one who was beating me up <laughs> yeah. um, which wasn't really a fair yeah. assumption but I think you've got to get rid of fairness when you're in that hole yeah actually you raised some really interesting points there because that I'm sure every Christian who has mental health issues can point at things that people have said to them that are not helpful. And a lot of the time we can go, oh, the church is really bad at coping with Mm. mental health. And I think, I think in fairness, it's just society. It's just that Christians happen to be in the church. So the people closest to them and people around Mm. them are the church. And sometimes we use spiritual language to talk about everyday things, which which isn't always I don't helpful. think the church is worse than the rest of society. No. No. The 
issue is that I'd expected and hoped the church would be better. Yeah. And it's not that. I think that is often a problem if we feel let down by the church because we expect more and we forget that actually Christians are still human and they make all the same Mm. mistakes and they've got all those same societal biases, like you say, as well. But obviously the church can help as well. You know, I talk about the Christians who hurt me. There are plenty more who helped and Mm. churches that I sort of came into who really sort of came around me and spent time trying to build me up again and helping me to find the help I needed mm. and recognising that actually, no, you know, yes, prayer is really important, don't mm. get me wrong. Yes, I need to trust in God and try and get into the scripture, which is next to impossible when you're in the middle of a, of yeah. a depressive crisis. Sure. But also, go to your doctor. Also, mm. go seek therapy. Take these meds. Yeah. Do everything you can. And I think that's actually just as much as the faith in God. They know God has put these, these techniques around us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's that brilliant story, isn't there, about the man who's drowning and the boat comes by and offers to give him a lift and he says, oh, no, thanks, God's going to save me. Mm. And then a second boat comes by and a third boat comes by and then he drowns. And when he gets to heaven, he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God goes, well, I sent three boats. Yeah. yeah. I think we often do that, you know, with medicine and a lot of resources, we kind of think it's not relying on God if we're relying on other things, but sometimes those yeah, things are gifts sure. from God to help us. I think from talking about the way that my mental health has interacted with my faith and going yeah. to church. I think I've definitely had a mixed response. I I feel like whenever I've mentioned doctors or medication, they kind of nod and go, hmm, yeah, oh yeah, that's important. But sometimes uh, as if it's kind of an afterthought, like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's, and they need to validify that. Like, oh yeah, that's that's mm. good. But I think uh, I think early on in, in the church that I was a part of at the time, there was there it was definitely an attitude of overly spiritualizing mm. everything and and when somebody can see that you're not well and and they know that you need something but they don't necessarily know what to say and they they might have a prophetic word or something and they might be giving it quite publicly because they can see somebody who's visibly not doing very well and they they want to speak some words of truth into their life and that and the way they do that is is a way that might be to a sufferer you're putting the spotlight on me at the time when I most just want to hide yeah Uh, I think that I definitely found that quite unhelpful there there is a stigma around mental health Mm. Um, I mean we're talking about depression anxiety here and I know that's hard enough to talk about but actually that is the least stigmatized when you can do Mm. things more like um Bipolar disorder or um, schizophrenia, which which, you know I have no experience of at all. I can't speak into that at all, but I know that the level of inability to talk about it Mm. is is that much higher. And often I think the way that people's symptoms present Mm. affect the way that people react to them. If you're if you're tearful and vulnerable and broken in your approach with people you can get a certain amount of sympathy. Yeah. Whereas if you're angry and hurting and maybe the way that it's presenting is, is that it affects your relationships in a bad way and can make you really quite hard to be with, Yeah, I think that that gets mm. a different response from yeah, people. Definitely. Yeah, And I think, I mean, for me, what really happened was I just kind of shut down and shut a lot of people out. And I probably was just appearing kind of like a blank slate. Mm. There wasn't really a lot of emotion of any kind. And then that meant that a lot of people, actually what I needed was people coming alongside me, but the sort of way my, my symptoms were presenting was resulting in people mm. giving me more and more space. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think 
kind of what this kind of boils down to is every mental illness is different. Like we, the three of us, have all had depression at different at different mm-hmm. stages, but our experiences are so different from each other. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're in a church, you know what how I'd like the church to interact is find my individual needs, find mm-hmm. find what I'm struggling with, you know, and help me work through that in a way that I'm ready to. And if I'm not ready to, just welcome me back week after week. Yeah. Just just make sure that you know, that it's accessible, it's open. Is there a place I can remove myself to if I just need some quiet time? Yeah. And for me as the church and humans, you know, we're guilty as anyone else, if we treat people as individuals, something that makes it easier for people with you know, with disabilities, um, people with with all kinds of illnesses, it ha- it creates a better environment all round. Um and mental health is sort of the battleground that I pitch my flag <laughs> yeah. on as it were. Mm. But it it isn't the only issue actually about this inclusiveness. Yeah. Being inclusive can't only involve neurotypical people. Mm. You know, and so yeah, people with autism mm. they're different. You know, I, I have Asperger's. That means I think differently and actually for a church to be inclusive to that mm. yeah. and inclusive to mental health issues, inclusive to all these things, create such a rich culture. Yeah. Actually, before we move on from that topic, I do need to give a shout out to my current church, who were amazing when mm. I was in the full throes of my mental mm. illness. I did not have anything to give mm. to my church. I turned up just before the service started and and left as soon as it had ended for several weeks because that was all I could cope with. I could not speak to anyone. And I hadn't even been in this church for a very long time, but I had people who who popped around with a card and a present and said, oh, can I come in? Can I have a coffee? Um, when I'm looking around at my house and going, oh, it's such a mess. Mm. Um, but they were just, they didn't even look at it. They just sat and just wanted to know how I was doing and had the conversation. And um, I had people give me flowers. And just the way that you would, the respect that you would give to any other illness, yeah. I thought it, it was so lovely that they would, just acknowledging me as somebody who just needed that. Absolutely, I think the church, as well as causing a lot of damage in some cases, mm. there are certainly places, yeah. and even in churches which might not be as amazing as, as where mm. yours is, there are people and there are people with a real heart who can do this. And I think I don't want to yeah. sound like we're just slamming churches. No. Um, because absolutely, that's not, not my intention. Yeah. What was really lovely as well is that it wasn't the pastor and it wasn't my close friends. It was people who knew that I was struggling. Yeah. Mm. It was just people. And I think that's just such a wonderful yeah. thing when you have that kind of culture that can just... Yeah. Yeah. And that's just what church family yeah. should be like. Yeah. It doesn't have to be people you're even close to. Mm. It's that when when you see someone struggling, you act mm. as if they were family. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you don't judge. Yeah. Mm. Our next sort of topic to discuss is something I think um, everyone who's ever experienced mental illness is um, phrases to avoid. Oh. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> yeah, and particularly with a Christian context, mm. there are those catchphrases you get mm. that are just so unhelpful. Like smile. Mm. For me, the big one is, well, have you tried praying? Yes, I've tried praying. <laughs> I've been praying about this for months, and you know, I've been doing all this. It's not going to get better right no, now. No, if you've been praying and someone goes, but have you prayed? You think, was I doing it wrong? Yeah. Like, yeah. Woo. yeah. Whether that's a more helpful alternative to that might be, I will pray for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
or, or I can I pray for you right now? Yeah. You know, mm. actually sometimes when I was really low, just someone coming and putting a hand on my shoulder saying, can I pray for you? Mm. That made all the difference because I that mm. one person only yeah. cared about me. Like, even if I believe those prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, mm. even yeah. if that week was a really difficult week, well, I can't doubt this person cares. No. But also saying, can I pray for you? And being okay with them saying, not right now. Not right now. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. If it's not what you yeah. need at that moment. Yeah. yeah. George, have you got any sort of the, the catchphrases? I think there's a lot of them around sort of giving very obvious advice. Anything mm. sort of, have you got more exercise? Have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about doing that? And I think often there's almost an assumption that because someone's suffering with mental health issue, they don't know what's good for them. Mm. And I think depression can make it harder to actually carry out and do the things that you know are good for you. But mm. you're an intelligent person still. You know what's good for you. You're aware that these things would help. And you're doing your best to do them as and when you're able to. Mm. And sometimes stop trying to fix it and just yeah. come alongside and support, I yeah. think. You end up in a church where you, you've got 20 people who think they're your therapist. Absolutely. And they're all well They're all well meaning. Yeah. But they're, often they're giving contradictory advice, which yeah. is fine in yeah. itself. Well, you're hearing the same advice six times from six different people, yeah. and you yeah. always knew it. Actually, what you're doing is feeling like, well, I'm clearly not doing enough. Yeah. When actually, in a family, a family doesn't. Mm. Your family doesn't become your therapist when you're ill. Yeah. Although well, they try. <laughs> they do yes, try. Yes, they do. But actually, what family should be about is that just coming alongside. You know, if you look yeah. at the Jesus model, yeah. Jesus came alongside people. He didn't give them a lecture about what they needed to do. Mm. Yeah. He came alongside them. He worked with them. He helped yeah. them through that pain, whether it be emotional or physical. Yeah. You know, I honestly think that when people talk about the stigma yeah. about mental health, I think nine times out of ten is that people who would would never think that they are stigmatized. Yeah. And and they would think that you know, I'm I'm a really compassionate person. I'm a I'm not a judgmental person, mm. yeah. and I, I I have honestly thought that about myself at times, and going well, I'm a compassionate person. I have empathy. I'll listen to you, but yeah. but there's always a you'd think that you might have some good advice. You're coming from a place of thinking that you would do it better in that situation. Yeah, and actually, unless you're in that situation, you just can't know how how your mind is handling everything mm. and. When I've been given advice, you know, have you tried going out for a walk? Have you tried all of this good advice that helps you get out of a bad mood? But it's when you it's when you actually do even try these yeah. things, then it takes all of the effort that you can muster yeah. to get out for that walk, thinking, I know in my head that that's a good thing to do, so I'm going to try it against all the odds. And you do it, and you come home, and you feel worse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that was an experience in itself, because I thought, I know theoretically how how yeah. i can help yeah. but, but yeah while the person who's giving the advice may have a better a clearer mind to think about it actually you know you yeah. and you know where you are with god you know so if i says well, have you tried praying you maybe you're not in a place where more praying is something you can do right now yeah. maybe it'd be where i was actually a prayer just ends up being a rant and at that mm. point maybe it's best to yes i i believe absolutely god wants to hear our rant mm. But maybe for your own mental health, maybe just sort of keeping it simple mm, yeah. is better. Maybe walking isn't what you need right now. Yeah. Maybe recognising that Jesus is it with you in the situation, yeah. Yeah. regardless of how you are behaving Absolutely. or thinking yeah. or feeling. Yeah. As well, I think often people, you know, they're trying to fix it because they want help, but the person who's got the depression what they're hearing is you're not doing enough to fix this mm. or you're making this worse or you're bringing this upon yourself and that might well not be at all what you're intending to portray mm. but if, if that's the message that they're receiving and you've got to remember that they've got someone in a very vulnerable position 
who is is feeling very very down on themselves and being very hard on themselves. So they're likely to hear criticism where it's not intended. And I think that's why it's so important to try and just support and not fix and not... Because what it sounds like is a criticism. You should be doing this. Mm. Yeah, and what we've talked about so far, a lot of it is sort of these churches are very well-meaning. I say churches, mm. I mean yeah. people. Mm. People in churches, other churches, who are really well-meaning. But there is another side to the coin. There are places which are toxic, mm. um, including yeah. in church and some parts of the Christian community. Um, and I experienced this in terms of not face to face, but when I was trying to look into some resources for Christians with mental health issues, Christians with depression. Depression is a sin if you're a de- if you've got depression, you're sinful. Mm. And actually, no, depression is not a sin. Depression is an illness. It's not something you can help. It's not failing to trust in God. It mm. is chemicals in your brain that are out of whack. Mm. And I think that's the extreme end. Mm. The, you know, depression is is selfishness and folly, and you're going to hell for it. You know what, that's the best way to put people into a deeper depression. Not only that, it's complete nonsense. Yeah. But that's the thing, there are you know, even churches you wouldn't think of who the it's so much around, you know, well, if you had faith you'd be cured. Mm. And actually you know what? Oh, no, that's not true. Mm. Not everyone who has all that faith would trust me. If faith could cure, I would be cured. Yeah. Jesus himself said, My soul is downcast to the point of death. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that sounds a lot like in depression. a very depressed state. Yeah. And we know he was the counsellor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about God doesn't always wave a magic wand and fix things. And that's not to say that I don't think he can work that kind of really in your face miracle today, but he doesn't always. And sometimes his miracles are smaller and sometimes they're slower and they don't always go at the pace and they don't always look the way we expect them to. Mm. He's always there with us and things, but he doesn't necessarily respond in that waving a magic wand and you're better now and mm. it's not got anything to do with the person and their faith how he responds it's got to do actually with with what they need and and what he's bringing them through yeah. and his plan for their life so we're sort of coming to the end of our our time but mm. i guess we've talked a bit about our experiences in one word what what worked mm. and what didn't work drugs Drugs were great. Okay, I was wondering which side of the fence you were falling on that. <laughs> the the legal kind, the prescribed <laughs> kind are great. I mean, I'm not saying for everyone, but for me, I I had a course of a certain antidepressant, which to this day I still don't know if it did anything other than make me tired. And then I stopped them, and then my depression worsened, and then I started another course of antidepressant, and that second course I was. I mean, it got a heck of a lot worse before it got better. Oh, yeah. I was so tired and made everything seem worse and seem mm-hmm. bigger. And, you know, and the, the thing it does to your brain where it does actually make your depression worse and before it gets better. But, um, boy, did I know about it when they kicked mm-hmm. in. It mm-hmm. was, and a lot of people would describe that, oh, I don't feel like myself when I'm on antidepressants, which, which I know is a really common mm-hmm. side effect. Um, but it's also not how they're intended. And so it could be that that's not the right one or that that's not the right dosage or that it needs a bit longer to work. But the day when they started working for me, I felt like myself for the first time in years. Yeah. Yeah. It was just such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Really was. So that's what worked for you. Yeah. What didn't work? They tried talking to your mum and dad. I Mm. bet they'd love to love to talk to you and you're like, mm, yeah i love my mum and dad they're great but it's so nice to have some people i can go to and just be normal yeah and that, and that was what i needed from them 
and uh, again I think just you know not everybody can be your therapist and I mm. think it's so so nice to just have some people you can go to and just they're going to treat you the same way yeah. they have all their lives yeah Georgia so what did work for us what did work um I think there could be two things that really helped. Um, one, actually, they were linked really. One was that I started doing an online cognitive behavioural therapy course, and it was just a you had basically homework you had to do, and then you had some online chats with the counsellors. And it didn't work at first, and at first it was really hard to make myself do it, but I stuck with it, and I did begin to see a real difference in my. It was more my ability to cope with what I was feeling than the feelings actually changing. I think. But then linked to that course, there was like an online forum for everyone doing the course to chat and support each other. And that really helped. And I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about it's helpful to have someone you can support. Mm. And it made me feel like I had a purpose at a youth again. Mm. And that I had the strength to support someone else began to give me the strength to support myself. Mm. And what didn't work? Actually, for me, um, I also did some in-person I, well, I went to my GP and I got recommended for two things, and one was some in-person counselling. And I didn't find that very helpful, and I think that was just to do with the dynamic between me and the counsellor, and we didn't really hit it off very well, and I didn't really trust her, and I didn't really feel like she understood what I'd been through to put myself into that, that kind of situation I was in. Mm. And I think counselling is great, but it needs to be a really good relationship, and you need to really mm. trust and respect the person who's giving you the counselling and it just unfortunately just didn't click that way for me and that's not to say there was anything necessarily wrong with what she was doing it just didn't work for me personally and the other thing I got recommended for by the GP which really didn't work for me but I noticed for some people was a sort of mindfulness course where it was a group course and we all had to sit and like concentrate on different parts of our body and picture ourselves in various situations letting go of our burdens and so on and I have absolutely no problem with Christians using forms of mindfulness. I really don't think that's a problem at all. And I think there's actually quite a deep Christian tradition of of techniques quite similar to mindfulness. But for me personally and my personality type, I just did not find it at all helpful. The group setting didn't really work because I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't feel relaxed. Um, it just it didn't click for me at all. And I ended up finding that the only thing I was finding helpful was the walk to get there every week because it was making mm. me get out of the house. Mm. And that was helpful, but the actual session just was not doing anything for me. For me, I guess the two things that really stand out as having worked. One, as Linda said, drugs. Mm. Um, antidepressants get a bad rap at the moment. You hear about we're having a, an epidemic of mental health crisis. Everyone's on antidepressants. And yeah, there are more people on antidepressants, but, and some probably who don't need to be. I, I'm not to judge anyone at individual circumstance. But for me... I needed them. They work. Mm. Um, they take a while. You need to get the right dosage. I've had to up my dosage several times when I wanted to think, oh, maybe I can come off them now. No, go up. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking them. I'm taking two different drugs right now for depression and anxiety. Mm. And I just kind of, yeah, it works. And mm. part of me wishes it didn't. Because if it didn't work, then I wouldn't, I'd be able to come off them and I wouldn't be on antidepressants anymore. And that just sounds like a good goal. But I don't think it is. I think for me, no more than, than again, any other illness where you have to take take a pill. Mm. It's just something that helps my body, the physical part, mm. do its part, to put it in a stable place so that the rest of me, the mm. emotional, the spiritual side of me, can do that part. Mm. I think you need to, for me, I need to stabilise my physical side of my depression and that's with, you know, calm my thoughts down so my brain yeah. is at least calm enough that I can think and I can find a, a way forward. 
the other thing that really worked for me, I actually had in-person cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, it, it took a while because you don't feel like you're making progress at each session. Yeah. By the end of it, though, I know, Georgia, you remarked that, you know, I, I seem completely different in terms yeah. of how I was dealing with things. And even now, when I finish the course, I find that when I'm applying the principles I learned, I am a lot better. Mm, yeah. What didn't work for me, I had um, a counsellor who was a Christian. It's a counselor, counselling rather than therapy. So mm. it's, something I, it's a, a while ago now, and they were lovely, and I trusted them. I had a good relationship, mm. but I didn't find it helpful. And I think for me that was because faith was an aspect I had to deal with. Yeah. But actually, I also needed someone who was outside of that faith to discuss it because I had, particularly for me, in a place where some of my hurt had been come come from from the church and mm. from people within the church. I needed to be able to explore that with someone. Who's not going to get upset at me if I'm questioning the church? Yeah, and yeah. someone that feels safe. I think sometimes as a Christian, we go and seek out, seek out a Christian counselor. Yeah, and that can be great. Yeah. Works for some people. Everything we say here will work. Different things will work for different people. Yeah. But sometimes that's not what you need. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a great um, quote in the book we're going to talk about next week. Mm. Say, you know, how many Christians look for a, a Christian podiatrist? Yeah, or a yeah. Christian dentist, and actually. Yeah. Mental health, it, it, it's another area of health. And yeah, yeah I think having Christian mentors mm. is important when it comes to therapy. For me personally, find someone on the outside who respected my beliefs, yeah. but who wasn't entrenched within them. Mm. Yeah. That. I have to say, I think that um, from within the church, I've experienced a lot of almost fear of entrusting mm. as somebody who isn't a Christian mm. with yeah. your therapy because there's this idea that if they don't believe in God, they might be trying to steer you away from that mm. or, or think that it's going to be unhelpful. Um, and I think that I have to say, in what I've experienced, I've never been to a Christian therapist, but mm. the the therapists and the counsellors who I've seen have always encouraged me to pursue my faith. Mm. And I think that in the mental health world, it is recognised that there is a great strength drawn from faith. Mm. And whether or not they see that as there is a God and that is why it is helpful because you're in relationship with God. They recognize that faith is helpful. And if you say, oh, I used to go to church, but I don't really do that anymore. They might see that that could potentially be part of your recovery yeah. Yeah. Um, because that was part of who you are. And maybe it's worth exploring that again. Yeah. Um, they don't have like a massive Christian backing agenda. Or anything. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, I think if you've got a good therapist or counselor, hmm. They want you to get better, yeah. yeah. And so they're gonna, they're not gonna sort of try and chuck stuff out of your life that yeah. isn't causing you harm. Now, yeah. if they do come, say, actually, it sounds like you're coming home from church every week in tears because of what things people are saying. Well, maybe you do have to get out of that that church. Yeah. Mm. You know, they I might. Think, I think they are really good to check their biases as well yeah. because yeah. I know there's a strong sort of support network of supervision around yeah. those kind of professions, and I think they, you know, they have. We need to give credit where it's due. Yeah. They, they really. If you get a good therapist, they do know how to. Yeah. Yeah. How to look out for you. Well, we're just about at time for this week. Mm. If there's someone watching who perhaps is is supporting a friend through mental mm. illness, or you can one or two things either that or someone who is going through mental illness as a Christian, mm. what advice would you give to either of those people? Mm. Um, I think in terms of if you're supporting someone, I guess I'd go back to what I said earlier, which is don't try and fix it. Just try and be there mm. and listen and also be willing to 
to be the person who lets them think about something else for a while. Yeah. But it can become very all-consuming. And when everyone knows you're struggling and they want to support you, it feels like that's all that's ever talked about. And sometimes maybe they need to just go out for coffee with you and talk about totally different yeah. stuff and do what you'd have done anyway. And kind of be reminded that they are still part of the normal world and your normal friendship mm-hmm. group or whatever it may be. And they're still a person that you like for being them. Because often, I think, when you have depression, you don't feel like yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you could just kind of remind them of who they are and how much you care about them, that might be a lot more helpful than any advice you could give. I think for me, if you're supporting someone, find out about them. Obviously, hopefully someone you know quite well already. But remember that depression isn't just like a black marker that's scribbled over the person that made them uniform. Depression takes lots of different forms. It affects people in lots of different ways. And find out how it's affecting them and what you can do after them. They know. And if they don't know, give them time. Mm. give them a chance to understand and think you know well maybe they just want you to be the person you the escape yeah. maybe they want you to to help them with getting to counseling maybe mm. you can go alongside and sit outside just because they way they know there's a friendly face out the door yeah. whatever it is so just just get to know them mm. um and i'm gonna do two because <laughs> you know i can um i think if you're going through it it's your common one is talk to someone mm. i think and I, I absolutely agree with that and talk to lots of people get different viewpoints from people you can trust both within the church and within the church is important you know hopefully your your minister pastor whatever is someone you can trust but if not there's other people in your church Mm. find someone you can trust in the church find people outside of the church as well build that support network and then just rely on them and listen to them i think you know you can't fight it alone no No matter who you are you can't and only only god can bring you through it Mm. but the hands and feet of god are his people um, I think, just on the back of that, I think the biggest mistake I made was not talking to people because I felt very ashamed and I felt mm. like I'd let people down mm. if I couldn't support them the way I normally did or if I said I'm struggling and I need some help now. And I think you'll be surprised by how many people do care about you and do want to help, but you've just got to be brave enough to kind of take that step and, and share what you're going through and be open to, to letting people in to help you. Mm. I guess um, on the on the support side, I kind of have two pieces of advice which sort of seem like polar opposites, but just go with it. Mm-hmm. On, on the one hand, try really hard not to do advice. Mm. Try to just really assume that position of humility and assume that you don't understand what the person's going through. Assume that they are doing the best they can mm. and that it is just really mm. hard. And... I guess because we can just sense it. You can just sense when somebody is feeling that they would do things differently in that situation, mm. and and you can't possibly know what somebody else is going through, even if you've had an experience yourself. Um, you, you can't compare that. Yeah. You may have had depression. You may have had depression to the same degree mm. as them, but it won't necessarily be the same. Yeah. Everyone is different, and yeah. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, I think that if somebody does come to you. Just from knowing people who've been depressed and how much it takes before somebody with depression or anxiety will go to a GP compared to somebody with any other illness, I think if you are going to offer advice, the good advice would be, it sounds like that's really, really difficult. Have you spoken to your GP about it? Um, Just to normalise that, it sounds like what you're going through is serious and that you're you're taking it seriously that you're not brushing over it or going yeah "Yeah, that that must be really hard but that 
actually, I I knew for a long time that I wasn't doing well, that mm. I wasn't coping well. But it's so hard in your own mind to determine whether, d- does this seem like a mental illness or is this just what everyone goes through mm. or am I just being silly? Whatever it might be, that sometimes you just need people to say, it sounds really serious. Have you spoken to your doctor? Yeah. And sometimes you need to hear it from a few places before you'll be brave enough to go and do that. And I guess if you're the person who is suffering with something and you have been struggling in silence, I'd echo that good advice, you know, talk to somebody. You can choose your person. You can choose somebody who you trust, um, somebody who maybe has some experience of it themselves and is going to come from that place of non-judgmental listening but also just be kind to yourself Mm. just be really kind to yourself just try and take out that judgmental voice from your own mind as well and just just try to listen to jesus's voice and not think that his voice is always going to be going oh but have you tried praying Mm. you know we know we know god is loving try and have some of that voice in your head to just take out that self-criticism and be okay with who you are. And obviously it's a very difficult topic, so if you check the description, we'll put in some links to some resources that could help you, some websites, some phone numbers. If you can't talk to anyone near you, please, there's there's phone numbers you can call, including ones that are are Christian. Please do do look at that. We'll put some information in there. Now, mental health is a massive topic. We we couldn't really do it justice, but because of that, we're going to do more next week. As part of the bookshop, we are and we're going to use use some of the books, some of the great resources out here to help inform our discussions. Mm. So next week we're going to be talking about this book. Um, it's a book called From Over the Edge, which is written by a man called John Rogan, um, and it's published by a little publishing company in the north of England called Sacristy Press. Um, and this is a real-life tale of surviving mental illness as a Christian, mm. so we're going to be discussing that next week. Um, if you read it ahead of watching the next episode, go and buy one from your local Christian bookshop. If you don't know where that is, check it out on Google and see if they have this in stock. It's well worth a read, but we won't ruin any more of that for next week. For now, thanks for listening to the Anvil. That's Linda. That's Georgia. And that's Andrew. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.